Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the King and of His Kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to call upon your name, to seek your face. You said in your word that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, you said, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. We call on you on behalf of this nation, call on you on behalf of all of those that are in authority, all of those that are professionally leading and serving this nation. I ask you that you would have mercy upon them. Lord God, you said that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. You turn it whithersoever you will. You said promotion cometh not from the east, west, or south, but the Lord is the judge. He raises up one and he puts down another. I ask you, O oh God, to raise up righteous and just leaders and any of those that are unrighteous or unjust who refuse to repent, bring them down. I'm not asking you to kill them. I'm not asking you to let any harm come to them, but take them out of that position of influence because you said in your word that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. We want to see the righteous in authority. And those of us who are part of this session, uh, irrespective of the positions, offices, industries, occupations, vocations in which we serve. Let us be honorable in our service. Let us be honorable in our deportment. Let us be righteous in the way we carry out what it is that we do, that the people might rejoice. And then, Father, we ask you to bless every professional, whatever it is that he or she stands in need of, provide that. Um, as we prayed in the early session, we pray over this group that regardless of what the need might be, if it's um, human resources, if it's financial resources, capital resources, if it is facilities, electronics, whatever it might be, we ask you to supply every need, every need. If it's more knowledge, if it's research, if it's credentialing, if it's degrees, whatever those areas are, let those needs be supplied that you might be glorified and that the people might rejoice in you. Father, cover and protect each. Cover and protect them physically. Cover and protect them from the hand and plan of the enemy in their relationships, in their families. Cover and protect your people as we go and come. Let the angels of God encamp round about us. And Father, we say thank you for all that you've done down through the years, down through the years, you've kept us, you've given your angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. We give you glory for the abundance of all things in Christ Jesus. Thank you now and ever in Jesus name. It is that we ask it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. All right. Bless you, Bishop Britton, Bishop Bapete, Elder Jackson, Vereen, good to see you. Sister Evans, Sister Walters, Sister McDonald, Sister Willis. That's Elder McDonald, I'm sorry. Elder Long, God bless all of you. All right, again, <clears throat> we encourage you to invite others to be a part of this session. We believe that something good is imminent. In the book of John, we're using the book of John. Now, um, the purpose of FKP is to show the relevance of what you gained yesterday, or some of you may have gained Saturday, to show the relevance today, to show that Jesus Christ is not merely Lord of Sunday or Saturday, but he's Lord of Monday through Saturday or Monday through Friday, however you have it as well. That is his kingdom. His kingdom extends beyond the church. Though the church and the kingdom are not identical, 
they are certainly intricately and integrally interwoven. And you don't get one without the other in truth. All right. But the kingdom of God is all inclusive. And remember our theme verse. We will we will state it and proclaim it until he returns. And then we'll state it and proclaim it some more. The earth is the Lord. Psalm 24, 1. The earth, the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. It all belongs to God. So the kingdom of God is all inclusive when we begin to think in terms of the territory of God and that over which God has ultimate authority and power. The whole earth and the whole world, they all belong to God. FKP is designed to bring that perspective into focus so that we won't give away what belongs to God as though it belongs to Satan or belongs to the world that is the corrupt and evil world. No, it all belongs to God. That's why it's exciting to hear about the University of Penn placing a woman of God, a kingdom of God woman in the position that she will be director for Africana, uh, Africana, according to how you pronounce the A's. I think it's marvelous. Who better? Who better than someone who knows the king and understands the kingdom to be poised to make sure that the information that flows into our young is not a toxic, polarizing, antagonizing distorted, perverted version, but rather it is the whole truth and it is wholesome truth that is being imparted so that these young men and women, whether they are African or whether they are Asian or whether they are European, they will be able to take that knowledge and properly integrate it for the making of a better world. Isn't that good? So, you make sure that you commend your brothers and sisters and also make sure that you get ready to enter into these various portals. Uh, yesterday here at the St. John Church, it was my attempt to uh, share that the great doors that affect lives and that affect cities and that affect cultures, those doors are to be stewarded by the people of God, entered and guarded by the people of God. And the demonic that tries to hold on to those doors, the Bible says they won't prevail. Not people, the devil that influences people toward that which is evil. The Bible said the gates of hell, the authorities of hell shall not prevail against the church. God said to Abraham, your seed, that is Christ, shall possess the gate of his enemies. That means that Christ and in Christ we will seize those things that have been stolen by the enemies of God. Excellent. I love that, Mr. Campbell. We serve everyone with the same genuine love and dedication from the student from China to the student from the Congo. That's wonderful. That's certainly as it should be. Marvelous, marvelous. All right. Uh, Sister Louvenia Duncan states, that she praises God for his mercy in having her doctoral proposal accepted. Congratulations, sister, soon to be Dr. Duncan. Congratulations. Marvelous. All right. Now, uh, our character, you remember Romans 15, 4, whatsoever things were written aforetime, uh, uh, 15, 4, Whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures 
might have hope. So they're written for us that we might have an expectation of the goodness of God, the greatness of God. Now, we study characters in scripture to learn from their strengths and their, their weaknesses, to learn from their successes and their downfalls. One such character is John the Baptist. We're looking at John the Baptist as our character study as we deal with this topic of knowing my assignment, knowing my life assignment. And so it's in the Gospel of John. <clears throat> the John who wrote the Gospel of John is not the same John about whom we're studying. Okay? The John about whom we're studying is the baptizer, the Baptist. Doesn't mean he was from that denomination. It means that he baptized people looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. So John the Beloved, he's the fellow who wrote the book, is writing about John the Baptizer. John the Beloved is teaching us about John the Baptizer. Now, in verse 19, 1, chapter 1, verse 19, John chapter 1, verse 19. <clears throat> and this is the record of John, that is John the Baptist, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? Who are you? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Christ means Messiah, the promised long-awaited king of Israel. He says, that's not who I am. Verse 21, and they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? That's Elijah. And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, no. You see, they were looking for the Messiah. And they knew that the Messiah's coming was to be preceded by the coming of Elijah. And also that uh, Moses had stated that God was going to raise up a prophet like unto him. So all three of these characters were being earnestly looked for in the time of John the Baptist and of Jesus Christ's earthly life. Messiah, the Elijah prophet, and the Moses prophet. So that's why they kept asking, you know, are, are you these things? And, and he said, no. Verse 22, then said they unto him, who are you? Who art thou? that we may give an answer to them that sent us, what sayest thou of thyself? He said, John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah, or Isaiah. Bishop, uh, Apostle Coleman, good to see you, sir. Everybody see it? That John says, I'm not the Elijah prophet, I'm not the Moses prophet, and I'm not, Messiah, but I am the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, um, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and so forth. As it turns out, John the Baptist really did have the spirit of Elijah, but he was not Elijah personally. So when he said, no, he's not lying. He's not Elijah reincarnated. He's John. But the spirit and mantle and power of Elijah is upon him. Even some aspects of his personality remind one of Elijah. And um, I'd like to take this as an opportunity to point out something. And that is that the spirits, the anointing of God that was on the prophets of old, the gifts and so forth that were on the prophets of old, the mantles, those mantles are still in the earth. Those mantles are still, I guess, see it better, they're still in the body of Christ. They're still accessible to the body of Christ. John the Baptist is maybe 800 years removed from Elijah, and yet the spirit that was on Elijah, the anointing that was on Elijah, 
and the kind of mandate that was upon Elijah rests upon John the Baptist as well. And so I want you to understand that ancient mantles and ancient anointings and ancient oils can come upon us in this day. Uh, when I think about that, I think about the psalmist David. I believe that a man or a woman who is anointed to be a psalmist, I believe that man or that woman can expect that the same kind of grace that rested on David and even greater will rest on him or her under the new covenant. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12 that we have come unto Mount Zion and it goes on and it says we have come to the spirits of just men made perfect. The spirits of just men made perfect. We have come unto them. Not only that, but the Bible says that it is by one spirit that we are baptized into the body of Christ. Baptized into. To baptize means to immerse, to submerge, or to merge. And so every anointing and every gifting and every oil of grace that is in the body of Christ, when you got baptized into Christ, born again, not just baptized in water, but when you got born again, you emerged into all of that anointing. <clears throat> you emerged into all of that grace. You emerged into all of that power. And so whatever your calling is, God will see to it that that unction makes its way to you to fulfill divine purpose. I believe that if we could, and we can't, but I believe that if we could go all the way back to when God began to use people initially, prophetically, to preach, teach, and do all the things that they do, if we could go back and look at people that had similar callings on them down through the generations, I believe we would look and see striking similarities and hear striking similarities because it's the same anointing. Same anointing. In other words, I believe that there are preach preachers who are preaching now under the same kind of unction that Peter preached under. Under the same kind of unction that Paul preached under. I believe that there are women who are dancing in the spirit under the same kind of anointing that Miriam would have danced under. And that David would have danced under. Because there's only one Holy Spirit of God. The Bible doesn't explicitly say Miriam was in the spirit, but she was a prophetess. Isn't that powerful? Thank you, Father. He told us in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 that we're in a whole family. He said we're part of a whole family. Part of the family is in heaven and part of the family is in earth. But it's all one family. And so whatever property God has imparted to the family is available to the whole family. After all, if David is a man after God's own heart, you don't need to reinvent that, do you? You want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. And so if David is a, a man after God's own heart and he's a psalmist, it implies that he's a psalmist after God's own heart. So that means I need that same grace on my songwriting on my song arranging, on my playing, on my singing, whatever I do, I need that same grace, that same anointing, that God-pleasing, you understand? So it applies in all the various areas. The doctrine is called the communion of saints. What I'm alluding to is a theological doctrine called the communion of saints, not communion, the bread and the and the grape juice or fruit of the vine. That, that's the communion of that's the communion uh, of the body and blood of Jesus com commemorating his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm talking about what's called the communion of saints. Those of you who remember the Apostles' Creed, those of us who came from uh, churches that have more of a liturgical, uh, a formal liturgical structure. And on Sundays, one of the things that we would do is that we would recite the Apostles' Creed. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, etc. It goes on and says, I believe in the communion of saints, not the communion of the body and blood of Jesus, but the communion of saints. The communion of saints is the fact that we are all interwoven and interconnected by the spirit of God. That's what that means. That's the communion of saints. Praise God. All right. We won't dwell there, but um, that's absolutely so. And so John is a part of the family. And so the, let, let me give it to you. The book of Luke chapter one, it was prophesied before John was born. Remember? Um, in the book of Luke chapter one, Gabriel, the angel prophesied it. Verse 15, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Verse 17, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias. That is Elijah. You see it? The angel said that he would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. Yet he is not Elijah reincarnated. We don't believe in reincarnation. The Bible says, for as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Well, Elijah didn't die, but he was taken. You understand? So this is not Elijah reborn. Oh, no. It's the spirit. It's the anointing of God that rested on Elijah now resting upon another host. Let me, let, let me illustrate it. Some of you remember the DC uh, character. Now, I was more of a Marvelite as I came through. I, I was more of a, uh, an aficionado of Marvel comics than of DC comics, but I did appreciate DC. I mean, after all, Superman is the quintessential superhero. You don't know about superheroes if you don't know who Superman is and Batman. You know, they, they're iconic. Uh, so DC has some very venerable characters and figures. One of DC's uh, characters who became, uh, was made into a, well, recently has been made a movie, but used to be a, uh, uh, a Saturday morning TV show. Um, his name, the character's name was Captain Marvel. And the name of the show was Shazam, title of the show, Shazam. And some of us remember there was a boy named Billy Batson. And Billy Batson somehow came upon a cave or cavern that was occupied by the, quote, seven elders, Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury. Okay. And these elders appointed him to be sort of a deliverer for mankind in time of trouble. He would rescue people from danger, etc. And each one of these elders gave Billy Batson a measure of their abilities. So Solomon gives him a measure of his wisdom. Hercules gives him a measure of his strength. Atlas, likewise, strength. Zeus would give him, I don't know, electrifying power with the thunderbolt. Achilles would give him fleetness, uh, you know, uh, strength and all of that and, and, and uh, military might. And then Mercury would certainly give him speed. Remember? Okay. So what Billy Batson would do on the, uh, on the uh, 30 minute Saturday morning children's show, is that he would go out somewhere, he and his mentor, I forget the mentor's name, but anyway, they were traveling on a on an R, RV and uh, he would go outside behind the trailer and say, Shazam! And lightning would strike and clouds would roll back and he would turn into another person. Some, some of you might remember that. Okay, well, here's here's what's supposed to be happening. The, the the seven elders are supposed to be imparting their spirit to this boy, enabling him to do in this day 
what they did in their day. Well, believe it or not, believe it or not, that is a crude illustration of what I'm talking about when I say the communion of saints. The same anointing that was in the men and women of old, that same anointing is available to the body of Christ right now. Hallelujah. And, and so it is in order for you to pray and say to God, Father, the same way you gave Solomon wisdom to lead your people. Father, I'm in a leadership position. I ask you to let that same spirit of wisdom be upon me. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1, around verse 17 or so, Paul prays for the church and says that he's asking God to give unto them what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. God anointed Solomon with wisdom. Solomon fell away. Solomon fell away, but God anointed him with wisdom. That same anointing is accessible right now. You don't worship the saints. That's not what I'm saying. You don't pray to the saints. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying God's anointing that was on those men and women is still accessible to all of us. Let's move. All right. We're here. Um, and the title of the lesson is Knowing Your Assignment. But now all of this is legitimate because in order for you to carry your and relevant, because in order for you to carry your assignment out, you've got to know uh, and study those who have the same or similar assignment. And you need the same kind of equipping. You need the same kind of equipping because you're fighting the same devil that they fought. And you're dealing with the same kind of humanity with which they dealt or with whom they dealt. Can you see it? Thank you, Father. All right. So in the Knowing Your Assignment lesson, we have eight components that are necessary in you knowing your assignment. There could be more, but... Uh, 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 these are included in the more. To know one's assignment, one must know, or I must know. Let me say it this way. Let me use first person. But I'm talking about you, so you say first person as well. In order for me to know my assignment, I must know myself. Excuse me. And that's true. That's number two, though. I must know my sender. That's number one. I must know my sender. I must know myself. I must know my superior, our superiors. I must know my skills. I must know my service. I must know my scope. I must know my schedule. And I must know my satisfaction. I must know my sender, myself, my superior, our superiors my skills, my service, my scope, my schedule, my satisfaction. We dealt with um, some of these last time. As a matter of fact, I remember being very, uh, very highly uplifted in my spirit by the time we got to the end because I, I hope you remember that uh, this young man about whom we're studying, his name is Yohanan. Yohanan. We know him better as John. But Yohanan is informative to us because Yo is Yahweh or Jehovah. And Hanan if you remember back in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah, Hannah, we call her. Yohanan, Yo is Jehovah or Yahweh. Hanan, Hannah, Hannah means grace. God is gracious. God's grace. I wish I knew the song. I don't know the song. But, uh, Uh, Brother Barnes, how did I make it? 
all of that. How did I make it this far? And people are singing all over the world. God's grace, right? So that's what, see, God named him. God named him. God named him because that's his, his, his prophetic destiny. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Think with me quickly. His name is, is God's grace. Grace of God. God has been gracious. And uh, he got it from the angel. The angel Gabriel said, call him John. Matter of fact, uh, the angel said, you shall call his name John. Now, one of the reasons why he would be named Grace is because Zechariah is too old to father a child and Elizabeth is too old to mother a child. And yet, Zechariah fathered, Elizabeth mothered. That was the grace of God. What's that mean? God favored them and God fueled them. That's really what grace is. God's favor and God's power to bring a thing to pass so we could say his favor and his fuel. So it's God's grace in that sense. We're not supposed to be having babies and yet uh, they, they had a baby. Um, secondly, oh my, God is gracious because this boy is filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. He's a prophet. He's the greatest prophet of the old covenant, second only to Jesus. And so certainly, <clears throat> this, this boy's life is the grace of God. His calling is the grace of God. His gifts are the grace of God. His mantle is the grace of God. His destiny is the grace of God. So you see, first, it's the grace of God because he was born when he shouldn't have been born. He's given to parents who shouldn't have been able. He came out of an unlikely situation. All of us ought to be able to shout about that because all of us have come out of unlikely circumstances. Then secondly, he's called grace of God because of these graces, these gifts, these abilities, these talents, these anointings that God has placed upon him. The privilege of introducing the son of God into the earth, grace. But that leads us to the third one. The third reason why he's called God is gracious is because his destiny is to usher the people of God out of the Mosaic law era into the era of grace and truth. That's his mandate. His mandate is that he is the usher for grace. No more killing sheep. No more killing oxen. No more killing turtle doves. But he is the grace usher. He's going to take grace and baptize grace in water. And grace is going to come up and change the world. Isn't that good? So his name is God is gracious or God's grace, number one, because his parents were not supposed to have a child. So the unlikelihood of his entrance into the earth is grace. Secondly, the abilities God has given him is grace. And then thirdly, the destiny that God has set for him is grace. Now, this is not about John the Baptist. Well, Brother Blue, you told us it's about John the Baptist. Oh, no, it, it's not about John the Baptist. It's about you. It's about you. God bringing you forth out of unlikely. Let's go ahead and tell the truth. Not just unlikely, impossible circumstances. God brought John into the earth in impossible circumstances. He brought John into life out of death. Well, that's what he did for you. Number one, when he saved you, he brought you to life out of death. And then secondly, almost all of us can testify that, that we were voted not that particularly likely to succeed in many areas, okay? So, so the origin is grace. Then the gifting and the equipping is grace. And then the destiny, the mandate is grace. Yes, when we say mandate, can we say assignment? That's right. That's exactly right. Can you see it? I know you see it. Hallelujah. And so, Zechariah and Elizabeth gave birth 
to grace. All right, let's 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 go forward. And 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 I'll say it again: what you are giving birth to is grace. The ministry that you build, the business that you build, the marriage that you build, if it's successful, it's the grace of God. The children that you rear is the grace of God. Everything that is raised up, my assignment is a grace assignment. My calling is a grace calling. My equipping is a grace equipping. I hope this blesses you. It blesses me. Yep, a little bit more and I could get up and, uh, and rejoice. All right, so knowing my grace assignment, first I need to know my sender. Who sent you? I told you that in the country where uh, I was raised up, uh, some would have said, who sent you? Who sent you? Who sent you? Right? You got to know who sent you. I was thinking just this morning. Mama reports that the doctor told her when he saw me for the first time that he wouldn't give her two cents. <laughs> for my life. Not, listen now, not, not a nickel, not a dime, not a quarter. He said, I wouldn't even give you two cents. Well, that's, that doesn't leave anything but a penny or nothing, right? He said he wouldn't give, I wouldn't give you two cents for his life. But what the doctor didn't know is that God has sent me. That's the reason why, <laughs> hallelujah. That's why, that's why, um, after the two cents have come and gone, I'm still here. It's because he sent me. You have some somebody who didn't think you would, would make it either, right? But what they forgot is, or what they didn't know is, God sent you. Come on, Tasha Blue. God sent you. Yes, sir. And so whatever devastating thing happened in your life, traumatizing thing that happened in your life that was designed to destroy you, designed to cut you off. Designed, the reason why you survived is not because you're so tough. It's because God sent you. <laughs> you see it. Know who your sender is. John the Baptist knew who his sender was. He said this. Oh man, look at that time. Okay. Uh, 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 chapter one of the gospel of John. Listen to what he said. Verse 30. This is he. He's talking about Jesus now. John says, this is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me. That's Jesus. For he was before me. That is, he existed before me. Verse 31. And I knew him not. John the Baptist says, I didn't know who Jesus was, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, am I come baptizing with water. And John bear record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it bowed upon him and I knew him not. But listen to this. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. My, 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 my. The, the father told John the Baptist. Now, I'm not going to tell you who the Messiah is, but I'm going to give you a sign. Keep baptizing. And there's one you're going to baptize that the Holy Ghost is going to come down upon and remain. Now, these others may be touched by the Spirit. Don't get excited. Be grateful. But the Messiah will be he upon whom the spirit descends and remains. He says, that's going to be your clue. That's going to be your indicator. Isn't that powerful? And John said, that's how I knew. Now, John knew his sender. In the same gospel of John, chapter one, verse six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. You have been sent by God into the earth. Hello? I said you have been sent by God into the earth. 
Go ahead and put it in the comments. I have been sent by God into the earth. It doesn't matter what the circumstances were. When I say it doesn't matter, I'm not saying that you weren't hurt. I'm not saying that you weren't mocked or, or maybe you weren't planned or whatever. But you were sent by God into the earth. Put it in the comments. You need to say it. Say it with your fingers if you can't. Say it with your mouth, but say it with your fingers so others can see it. You have been sent by God into the earth. So first, know my sender. Secondly, know myself. Now, all of that information that we've been sharing with you about the profile of John the Baptist, you've got to know yourself. God will teach you who you are. Proverbs 14, 8. Don't ever forget this. Proverbs 14, 14, 8. The, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. One of the greatest things that God can teach you is you. But God doesn't teach you you by teaching you you first. He teaches you you by teaching you himself. Why? Because you were created in his image after his likeness. Let me say it again. When God teaches you, you, he does not begin teaching you, you by teaching you, you. He teaches you, you by teaching you him because you were created in his image after his likeness. And the more you understand him, the more you understand you. The more you understand his ways, the more you understand your ways. Now, what you may understand about your ways is that they're wrong, all right? But you learn that your ways are wrong by learning his right ways, okay? If we have unholy ways, we learn our unholiness by learning his holiness. I've used this illustration so many times, and it's absolutely true. There have been many times when we've had work done on the facility that we occupy there at 401 Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, the, the church building. There have been times when we've had certain kinds of work done. And when the um, the uh, technician or whoever would come to do the work, you know, knocks on the door, I go out and say, hello, Mr. So-and-so. Yeah, yeah, good to see you. Uh, my name is Michael Blue. I know you're here to do such and such. You want to walk around the building? You want to take a look? I said, well, not really. He said, do you have a set of the plans? Matter of fact, actually what they said many times, yeah, I've, I've walked around already. Do you have a set of the plans? Why would they want a set of the plans? Because they understand that this building has a design. This building has a, a set of schematics. And if I know how it was designed, if I know how it was planned, if I know the blueprint, then I, I know even without looking physically, I know what's supposed to be here, what's supposed to be there, et cetera. Ladies and gentlemen, an expert does not merely look at the exoskeleton or the outer structure. The expert looks for infrastructure and looks for the design. You have God as your blueprint. You have as God, God as your diagram. And so if you really want to know who you are, you need to study God. You are the blueprint. Uh, excuse me. God is the blueprint. You are designed after him. You are designed in his image after his likeness. An expert will study the blueprint to learn you. By the way, by the way, here I go now, here I go, but I'll be back. Personal relationships like marriage, personal relationships, engagement, and all of that, if they don't know you here, they don't really understand you here. If they don't know your blueprint at all, the likelihood is very great that they won't understand your extra structure, you know, infrastructure, the extra, the outside, they won't understand. If they don't know your blueprint, 
they don't know the real you. No disrespect. But the truth is the truth. If you're going to have somebody that's going to help restructure your life from the inside, you need to make sure somebody who's acquainted with the blueprint and not just somebody who's looking at the outer structure and the exoskeleton and making assessments and decisions and uh, assumptions. Are you all okay? You know, it's almost like I can hear the electricity running through the walls again. Crickets. Anybody that's going see anybody that's going to work on our physical building, they need to be somebody who appreciates the blueprint. Don't you have anybody bringing a saw and a hammer and a bunch of nails and they're going to do major reconstruction and they don't they don't know the blueprint? Man, they, they may help tear that thing down, right? How about you? You're not about doing any major reconstruction and alteration and renovation and extension and expansion on your life and they don't know how you built? They don't know what makes you tick. They don't know the infrastructure. They don't know how you were designed All right, let's go on. Know my sender, know myself. Thirdly, know my superior. I'm having to close here. John understood that all of that grace upon his life, all of that gifting upon his life, it was not about him. But that there was an agenda, there was a purpose that he was to serve. There was an assignment to which his assignment was supplementary, complementary at best. And I want to say to you that in order for you to find and fulfill your assignment, part of that finding and fulfilling and knowing your assignment is that you will support the assignment of another. In business, you will support the assignment of another. Call it apprenticeship, call it understudy, call it internship, Call it whatever you choose. You will serve the assignment of another before you walk in the fullness of your own. And for some people, the fullness of your own will be complementing and supplementing the assignment of another or of others. And you must be all right with that. John the Baptist must be all right with the fact that he is to present the Messiah, but he will never be the Messiah. He is to be all right with the fact that he is to announce the Christ, but he is not called to be the Christ. He's got to be all right with that. Because the Christ turned around and said, among them born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. And let me tell you something. When you fulfill the purpose of God that he has placed upon your life, among those born of women, there's none greater than you. When you fulfill what God has assigned to your hand, when you fulfill what God has chosen and purposed you for, there's none greater born among, among men. You follow that? You don't have a competitor when you fulfill your God-ordained purpose. When I say competitor, in the sense of, oh, somebody's going to do that instead of me. No, no. If you're walking in obedience, nobody can be that but you. That's just the way God ordained it. And he's infinite 
So he's able to give all those unique roles to each individual. So there is no competition against. When we do compete, we compete from within our own lanes with one another, not against one another. And that just means iron sharpened iron. We work together to make one another better. All right, well, our time has come and gone. I hope, I hope, I hope that this conversation has been helpful. I hope that it has been beneficial. The statement that we made last week, we will make once again. I don't want to live and die and not know why. The why, the purpose of God. The what, the assignment, but the why, God's purpose for me doing the what. All right. I want to thank you for your time and uh, encourage you to join us next week and bring somebody with you. Until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals. That's you. Encouraging you to go forth today and lead. Make the name of Jesus Christ glorious. Make the career of Satan ever more brief and ever more miserable. Together, let us bring pleasure to Christ's heart and fame to his name. Until we meet again at the appointed time, may the peace of our God go with you. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 1130 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.